When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. Will Watts from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Who dat? And welcome into another Sports Talk-fueled edition of Inside Black and Gold. This is how we've been handling the first episode of each week during the offseason as... Steve Geller and myself, Jeff Nowak, try to get a little bit of a uh, little bit of R and R as we as we enjoy this month of downtime between minicamp and the start of training camp, which is reportedly to be July 25th or 26th. We should be getting those dates pretty soon. But in this episode, we're going to be playing you an interview we did with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. And also breaking down some rankings, some quarterback tiers. It's myself, Steve Geller. If you haven't hit the subscribe button, please do that. This first segment, which is recorded from Sports Talk on Friday, we're going to go through the quarterback tiers that were broken down by Will Brinson of CBS Sports. If you want to find that full list, go over to cbssports.com. And he breaks down seven tiers of quarterbacks. The top tier being the Pat Mahomes of the world, the bottom tier being the rookies of the world, and everyone else slots in somewhere in between. So Steve Geller and myself went through and broke that down, talked about what we agreed with, what we don't. Here you go. I got a one of those, I guess, I don't, what do you call that picture that I sent you? A meme? Is it a meme? A uh, well, that CBS Sports put out about the top NFL quarterback tiers. Yes. And... Uh, I'm trying to see who put it out. Oh, it's Will Brinson. Will Brinson. Yeah. Yeah. Which I always, so there is something that happens in like CBS sports specifically, where it's not all CBS sports are made equal. Like, let's be real. Like there was a power ranking of like who had the worst off season going around. And it was just some guy I've never heard of who just wrote this random thing and everyone was aggregating it. It's like, this is a, (laughs) this is a guy who has like 1500 followers on Twitter. who's just putting out a list. So it's like not everybody knows what they're talking about. And they had like the Saints at the bottom of the offseason. Anyway, it, sometimes CBS Sports is not the top tier content. If you want to talk about tiers of content, that's worth talking <laughs> about. Will right. Branson, actually, I do I do take his his opinion seriously. Um, and I don't – you said this this uh, list was bad. I don't think it's bad. The only I question, got a lot of questions, though. So, so tier one, yeah. I think that's fair. They have Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. That's the top tier of quarterbacks. No arguments there. Not going to argue there. Tier two, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, uh, 
and Jalen Hurts. I'm not sure if Trevor Lawrence belongs. Seems a little too early for that. Yeah, I think we're 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 uh, yeah we're anointing him a bit too early. <laughs> I do think he's up there. I would put him in tier three. I, I could agree more with that and get on board. But I would put. So it's funny that tier three is. It, it almost feels like Trevor Lawrence is in the higher tier because they could only fit so many in tiers two, three, and four, and they had to put someone up, and they didn't want to put Aaron Rodgers up there. Anyway, I, I would put both those guys in tier three, but uh, tier three you have. Who who would you put in? tier three you said trevor lawrence and jalen hurts oh okay i think they're both good i just wouldn't put them up there with yeah you know. w- one season proven r- right now from jalen hurts where he looked like you know turning into a good quarterback more than just a runner i would agree i wouldn't put him up yeah. at number two yet yeah i think there should be two players in tier tier two yes but then tier three and four oh wait a minute i, I put rogers in tier two yeah i mean maybe you know pre-hallucinogenics <laughs> and yeah i think he's he, I mean, he's still good. I just don't think he's still. I I think he will. If he win a Super Bowl this year in New York, I will be very surprised. I think that he is kind of on his way out. But, but. who else is in the tier with him? Is why I I have to put him in tier two because it's it's ridiculous to put. Yeah, come on. It does seem odd. Justin just, Fields is in the same Justin tier as Aaron Rodgers. In tier three is weird. <laughs> Matt Stafford, like a bunch of guys who did not play well last year. Matt Stafford, Tua Tagovailoa, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson who hasn't played in like two years. I don't know why we're still giving Deshaun Watson the benefit of the doubt. Um, But yeah, and then Aaron Rodgers, Daniel Jones. I also don't think Daniel Jones is in that tier. But like I think tiers three and four are on the same same line. Like you could call them the same thing. Because then you have Jared Goff, Dak Prescott, Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo. I agree. I think all of those guys are on the same level. Yeah, I mean, I just – a lot of it – Started to sour for me, like I said, when we went to tier two, wanted to knock Trevor Lawrence off. I don't know what Rodgers is doing there in the same tier. You could you could replace Fields. Trevor Lawrence with Aaron Rodgers <laughs> and feel good about it. I think they're just trying to be predictive. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I guess two and three are like your your mid level guys. But I do agree. If you go down, these are the the lower tier. Now you're players. looking at the subpar. Yeah. Signal so callers. so tier five and down, Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett, Brock Purdy, sure. Thanks. I'm surprised Brock Purdy's actually not higher. People have been blowing him up. Well, I mean, it, it would be nice to see him come back from his elbow injury. <laughs> yeah, if, I know, if I know. he's even the starter. Um, they have him on this list instead of Trey Lance, so I guess that's something. Then the next tier, which, man, Kyler Murray has really, has really taken a turn, huh? <laughs> tier 6, Kyler Murray. Who I don't even know who that guy is next to him. Oh, with the Commanders? Oh, is that uh, Sam Howell? Correct, sir. Sam Howell, yeah. Jordan Love, Baker Mayfield with the Bucks, and Desmond Ritter with the Falcons. I'm sorry, but Baker six. Mayfield looked like that looks like I could be a uh, a mugshot. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's rough. And then the final tier is just like, okay, these are rookies. Right, exactly. Which I, I don't know why you would put them at the bottom, but C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and Anthony Richardson, which I don't know if C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson are technically the starters. I don't know if any of those guys are technically the starters right now, but they're being listed. But I don't hate that. I don't hate that tier list. I just think I think this is fair in that there are a lot of middle of the road NFL quarterbacks who right. all who all should be in the same general category. And then there's probably five or six quarterbacks you would put on a list above them, and then you will rank them. But I agree. Like Derek Carr, I would put in tier three and four somewhere until he proves otherwise. I'll say at least a, a positive out of this. If you're a Saints fan, you can look at that. Derek Carr is a Tier 3 QB. Tier 4. Oh, Tier 4 QB, sorry. And then you look at uh, Baker Mayfield, Desmond Ritter, Tier 6, and then obviously the rookie 
and with Carolina, Bryce Young is tier seven. So yeah, I mean, like if you want to again, about this. what we have been saying all off season is that the Saints are the only team in the NFC South with a quarterback you look at and be like, okay, I can, I, I can I, win with that. I can win with that. Yeah. Right? Everyone else is either bringing up a rookie or using and also ran in Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask and Desmond Ritter. Sure, I, I guess if you're the Falcons and you like Desmond Ritter, fine. I still don't. I'm still not convinced he's going to beat out Taylor Heineke, but. I, neither of them scares me, and Bryce Young doesn't scare me until maybe two or three years down the road. So yeah, well, we had uh, did around the NFC South yesterday, and if we we talked to all the beat writers, obviously, and each team uh, team's beat writer seems to believe that they're they're. Uh, the division is ripe for the picking, and that it's theirs to take. And to, to think that the Atlanta the Falcons Bucks could win that? ten, the Bucks think that too. Oh my God, no way! <laughs> Absolutely not. That is a, that is a joke. Yeah, I don't know how you're going anywhere with Baker leading the way. No. I mean, come on. Like, I get it. Your job is to shell out optimism. I, if, if I'm the Falcons, sure, because I want to believe that Desmond Ritter is the guy, and I want to believe that we didn't just draft a running back that will, by the time this team has come out of the death spiral it's in, won't be on another roster, right? Like, did we just Saquon Barkley ourselves? Which I think they did. And then if you're the Panthers, I think you'd like to believe that you can win ahead to schedule with a Bryce Young. I think the Panthers are in – the best position of any NFC South team for the future, for two, three, four, five years down the road. They're in great position. I just think they're going to have struggles in year one. They don't have the receivers, really, to succeed on offense. They have a good defense. They have some pieces. Brian Burns is excellent. Jeremy Chin is very good. Like, they have pieces. But I just don't – like, if the Saints do their job, they should win that division. And – yeah, I, I I don't know. I I just want the Falcons to be real bad. Uh, you know what? I, I like the Falcons' weapons on offense. I just don't like their quarterback situation at all. And I'm actually with you. I think there's a great chance that Heineke ends up being your starter over a guy like Ritter. It's just so easy to be like, oh, yeah, Desmond Ritter's the guy. But, like, why? <laughs> what has he done? Is he consistent? Because you didn't draft him in the first round. You are not devoted to him beyond what you have to be right like if Russell Wilson didn't show up and be consistent from day one he's not the starter over Matt Flynn a guy the Seahawks paid to bring in the reason he the reason he was able to retain that job is because they had an excellent defense and they were good from day one if Desmond Ritter struggles that team is not beholden to him they brought in Taylor Heineke for a reason and it's if you if you were dedicated to Desmond Ritter you would not have brought in a guy who could potentially start for your team Right, like you would have brought in someone as a backup and said, "Okay, this is Desmond's job." It's not what they did. I think this is a team that is drafting as if they intend to win this year. And if they don't get the impression that Desmond is that guy, I don't think they're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, 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 we're gonna we're gonna play through the struggles." No, they're gonna start Taylor, and they're gonna see what happens with the Saints last year. Yeah, in a, in a sense, I'm actually hoping the Saints see Desmond Ritter over Heineke. Yeah, I, mean, I think he's going to struggle, <laughs> right? And I think that team is thinks it's ready to win right now, which I disagree. I don't know why you would think that, but hey, you know they drafted a running back at number nine. Bijan Robinson is, you know, you got to get those first three years because those are sometimes that's all you got. But what was crazy too is obviously the year before you look at their draft strategy and you're going tight end early on. <laughs> they are, they are, they are <laughs> in like year three of the Giants swoon. That's exactly what the Giants did. I mean, like we, the only difference is that the Giants waited too long to move off of Eli Manning to Daniel Jones or to whoever, right? Like the 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 Falcons did the same thing where they had Matt Ryan and they were like, let's give it one more shot with the Gipper, and they because like, oh, the difference is we need a unicorn tight end. The Giants did it with Evan Ingram, right? The Falcons did it with Kyle Pitts. You can pretend that these are different guys. They're not. Evan Ingram had a great season last year, by the way. 
Kyle Pitts did not, so hey, whatever. Uh, and then they were like, you know what we need? We need a top 10 running back. That's the that's what's going to solve our problem. So the Giants, they went and got Saquon Barkley. <laughs> the, the Falcons went and got Bijan Robinson. The difference is right. the Giants went and got Saquon Barkley for Eli. The P- Falcons have at least moved on from Matt Ryan when they add this running back, but it still makes no sense. Yeah, you, you look at the Falcons, too. You had a running back last season, a rookie that put up great numbers in Algier, and you still went and added to the position. Well, it's it just doesn't. You didn't need to spend a first round pick on a running back to add a running back. If you want to have a stable of running backs, plus in this year's class, fine. right? Go get Jameer. I guess they couldn't have got Jameer Gibbs because Jameer, maybe they knew Jameer Gibbs was going to go, and they're like, "Well, we're not going to be able to get this guy in the second round." So we're going to take him. Either way, it's a bad. It was a bad pick. No, and I think it's obviously a, a big year for you know GM Terry Fontenot, uh, the head coach over there too, because. Is this this is going into year three now of their reign, right? Fontenot? Yeah. Uh it's either three or four. Right. So it's like you you gotta see some kind of results, you know, pretty soon here. Yeah. And Arthur this is a Smith. Div- I, I don't think the issue the question is Terry Fontenot as much as the question is Arthur Smith and does that system work? But the problem is when you when you devote assets to a system <laughs> like that and you're like, Oh yeah, 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 we need running backs. So we're gonna spend a number the number nine overall pick on a running back, then you revert course and you're like, Yeah, we're gonna move on from the head coach. Well, that roster is now set up to fail with whatever coach you bring in. Yeah. And that's that becomes an issue, right? Third it's, season it, for Fontenot, guys. Third season. Third okay. season for Fontenot, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk in the NFC South, but I don't think there's any reason to look around and be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's ripe for the taking when the Saints are there trying to take it. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Saints squad from last year, and I think the biggest thing for them was getting a caller that you could count on in crunch time that's also could be a someone that you could rely on to be a playmaker. And just we didn't see that at all because Jameis Winston was injured and just for the fact that Andy Dalton is not that dude. I think they need to get off to a fast start and demoralize <laughs> the rest of the division, right? Let's, let's hope that happens. I don't want to see another, oh, everyone's four and between four and five and six and four and we're just going to go the rest of the way. I don't like it. All right, that's going to wrap up that segment of Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. Make sure to check us out on YouTube at WWL Sports, on Twitter at Saints underscore pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller WWL. And we're going to be coming back with another segment here, another recorded interview, this time with Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints. A lot of you probably also listened to Ross, thought it was a great interview. We talked about some pitfalls for this upcoming season, who we could possibly see as a free agent addition ahead of training camp, and a lot more. Stay tuned for that. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. This is segment number two. I am Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. As always, this is a sports talk-fueled edition of the pod. It's what we've been doing for the first episode of the week throughout the offseason, or at least the downtime in between minicamp and training camp. So hope you enjoy it. This is a recorded interview with Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints. Have a listen. Joining us from the Locked on Saints podcast, Ross Jackson. So happy for you to have some time today with us. And what's been going on, Ross? What's up, guys? How's it going, man? Glad to be here with you. Appreciate you having me on. Definitely always great to talk to you. Uh, Got a little uh, sidetracked when I started out this hour, was talking about Jamal Williams and how I was, (laughs) you know, going back into YouTube and looking at some of his uh, best 
quotes and best moments in, in previous interviews uh, with Detroit. Just a, a whole ball of fun. It seems like the running backs are the most energetic and lively and uh, I guess the best interviews. Um, unfortunately, we are losing one, too, and a Mark Ingram who is now heading to, to Fox Sports. Congratulations to him now getting into the mm-hmm. broadcast booth. But uh, what's been your take overall, I guess, on the, the running back situation? Obviously, we know we're still waiting on word from Alvin Kamara's case at the end of this month, but the mm-hmm. additions of Jamal Williams, and I know we haven't seen Kendra Miller yet, but it just seems that this is a, a room that's really built to do something special this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the running back room, as well as the tight end room, are the two most improved rooms potentially going into 2023. Like you said, we still have to see these guys, of course. But just in terms of the, the, you know, the moves that they've made, I think that that running back room is one that is built to finally be able to compliment Alvin Kamara when he's on the field, which is something that the, or when he's available, which is something that the Saints have struggled with over the course of the past couple of years. We watched, you know, his routes run plummet over the course of the past two seasons, but his carry skyrocket, you know, the amount of touches that he has seen in game and things like that. And a lot of those have, you know, directed him in between the tackles, kind of having to be the bell cow back and, it was one of the things that DA talked about when it came to, you know, the signing of Jamal Williams, what he brings to the team is that you get another complimentary guy to Alvin to where you can use him, you know, when he's available to the team and in a bunch of different ways, getting modern space, stuff that they struggled to do uh, last year. And now you have a little bit more of a diverse running back room that will be able to plug in and fill some of those gaps. I'm really excited to see Kendra Miller during uh, training camp here later on this month because he's kind of the the one that we haven't seen yet. He's kind of been covering from that uh, that MCL sprain that kept him out of the uh, you know training the uh, the draft process workouts and the national championship game and OTAs and mini camp. But he's expected to be ready to go for training camp. So I think he's the big guy. But I think even outside of them, guys like Eno Benjamin. Kirk Merritt now seemingly making the transition over to the running back room. Uh, Ellis Merriweather, who they have, they've got a lot of guys in there that they'll they'll you know get good looks at uh, throughout training camp that I think have each have the ability to bring something unique back to that running back room. Yeah, and you mentioned Kirk Merritt. You know, I think it is interesting. It, it it'll be interesting to watch whether he when the numbers are there in training camp, when mm-hmm. theoretically, you know, Benjamin and Kendry Miller are participating, whether he makes that shift back to wide receiver, if he kind of does that Ty Montgomery middle ground, you know, running back wearing receiver never kind of deal. But, you know, I think this is one of the, this is the optimism season, right? Optimism abound everywhere. Everything's going to be great. No one's going to struggle. Every group that struggled mm-hmm. last year is getting better. This Every free agent signing <laughs> is going to be perfect. They're going to the Super Bowl. They're going to win 14 Woo-hoo. games, whatever. My point <laughs> is I want you to do the opposite. I want you to look in your crystal ball and say, okay, what position or positions, if things go poorly this year for the Saints, these positions, which you look at right now, and maybe there are some pitfalls, are the ones that will be struggle points? Yeah, I think your your biggest pitfalls here on the offensive side, it, your biggest pitfall on the offensive side is going to be wide receiver again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what happens if Michael Thomas can't stay healthy? You know, we expect that he'll be ready to start the season. We certainly expect he'll be ready to start camp. But, you know, can he stay healthy? Is he going to be able to do it? And, and trust me, no one wants to prove that the answer to that question, yes, more than Michael Thomas himself. But, you know, if he deals with an injury or anything like that, then – Who's the next wide receiver that comes up to work with guys like Chris Olave and Rashid Tahid? Now, thankfully, this is a better wide receiver room than what the Saints have had in years past. 2019, Michael Thomas was the only guy there. 2020, he wasn't able to be there. 2021 was kind of on and off. And so, you know, they've reinvested into that position, and that's good. 
but or, or flip that. Sorry, 2020 he was on or off. 2021 he wasn't available. And then so you know you, you kind of look at the the reinvestment into that wide receiver room, and you can feel better about the top of it. But what happens when you get below your big three, and and who are going to be those guys? So you know that's going to be a big question I need to answer. I think Brian Edwards, who came over from the Raiders, or came over most immediately from the Falcons, but has you know some chemistry, communication, and time spent with the Raiders with new quarterback here, Derek Carr. Uh, is kind of a front runner for me at that spot, but it, it depends, right? What's the archetype that you need there? How many other wide receivers do you need back there? What's that going to look like? So I think that's one where you have the, the potential pitfall. I think defensive tackle is still one that you have to wait and see how it all pans out. I mean, mm-hmm. they lost, you know, a lot of guys on the defensive interior, David on Yamada, Shai, Tuttle, Kentave, the street, all going elsewhere. And, you know, you like the guys that they brought in and Colin Saunders, who's a multi you know, Super Bowl winning champion player, uh, you know, but heavy rotation during that Kansas City Chiefs defense. He'll be asked to do the same here so you can see where the fit is. Um, Nathaniel Shepard, one of the top 10 guys last year at his position in uh, PFS pass rush win rate, which just measures and one on one opportunities. How often do you win? Uh, your your pass rushing reps, and then you add Brian Brzee, who was a former number one overall recruit, you know, going into Clemson. You know, who dealt with a lot of injury, family stuff during his time in Clemson. How do these guys pan out on the interior, along with the return of Malcolm Roach and some of the other players that will play, you know, in and out uh, as well, like Tono Passanio. And so I think that's another one that that you look at to see. You know, it's one thing to kind of go, okay, they, they replace the numbers, but what does it look like when they're all on the field? And the other one that I'll mention, too, is probably my biggest question mark going in. I have to go back to the offensive side, sorry, but it is the offensive line. I mean, if we accept the idea that Trevor Penning was supposed to be the starter at left tackle or was trending to be the starter at left tackle throughout the, the preseason last year, which some believe that it was, some believe that it wasn't, but if you accept that that was the, that that was the, the sort of notion – then the Saints never saw their starting five offensive linemen out on the field, much like they never saw their starting five secondary out on the field for a single snap last year. The Sharva Penning missed games 1 through 12. Eric McCoy was out 10 through 15. And then week 16, Cesar Ruiz went on injured reserve. So the one guy was unavailable, along with Andrews Pete missing five games throughout the season or a handful of games throughout the season. That's another one where you just don't know what these guys look like together because we've never seen it. And then one injury what happens? You know, do you have the numbers in depth to where you can have an injury and immediately replace that? Or do you have to move somebody from a different position and upset multiple spots on the offensive line? So I think those are the three big ones. There are a couple of others too, but those are three big ones that I'll highlight. Russ, one of the things that we've talked about too a lot is the fact is, does this team make a move on a veteran free agent market before training camp at all. Uh, and to me, you know, you, you mentioned offensive line, D-line, and even to me, uh, linebacker. I, I'm curious yep. to see, are they going to bring in that body beforehand or do you think they wait till something maybe happens uh, injury-wise or if the guys that they have in-house aren't performing up to standards in training camp, do they bring someone in then? I'm just wondering, you know, was curious to see uh, there's a bunch of names out there right now that uh, that I'm interested in. Uh, Just wondering if the team makes a move before camp kicks off or that's something they do post. Yeah, very, very much the same. And if there's one thing that we know about this New Orleans Saints team, at least in in years past, is that they love – veteran linebackers and veteran running backs in training camp. They right. go out there and they get their, their, you know, their Josh Kelly's, their, you know, Malcolm Brown last year, the Mike Gillisleys of the past, the, the Shane Vereens yep. of the past. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, at linebacker, they went Nigel Bradham, James Laurinaitis, all these other guys. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that I would rule that out. Absolutely. In terms of getting looks at some of these other players, you'll probably see, you know, if there are any additions before training camp, you might see that. But then you'll probably see, you know, 
a week in, then maybe shuffle some folks. Okay, we got a good look at these guys. We have some notes and know what we need to know about them. Let's get some other bodies in and get a look at some of these other guys. And so I think you'll start to see a little bit of that. The interesting thing is, did they make one more, I'll call it for for July, quote-unquote, splash, right? Not a real splash, but, you know, a little bit of a splash. And you've got guys like Yannick Ngakwe, and even, you know, if you want somebody that's very, very situational, you could maximize, you know, like with the Baltimore Ravens, they had a guy like Justin Houston to come in as a situational pass rusher to play like 111 pass rushing snaps throughout a season or something like that. Like, there's a lot of these extra things that they could do to uh, continue to bolster the offense, bolster the defensive line, bolster the linebacker room. That's certainly a place where I could see that continuing to happen. So, yeah, I, I'm very much in the same boat as you guys. I'm, I'm very curious to see if they – uh, continue to, or not necessarily if, because I think that they will, but it's more of a, a question of when they do start to kind of cycle in some more of those fresh faces or potentially use that near $14 million or some portion of near $14 million of salary cap to maybe bring in another veteran that you could see landing on the roster. So, Ross, we were going, you know, kind of back and forth on Twitter about this, uh, which, you know, Twitter is still working as, as of right now, as, as far as I know. Surprise, you, you guys weren't on threads doing this? <laughs> yeah, we're, we weren't threading about it. I don't know. Is there, is there a verb? Is there, is there an accepted verb for how you, how you thread? Anyway, and you, you were tweeting the, you know, all-time passes defense since 1999 for the Saints, which is really a fascinating stat when you look at it for a mm-hmm. few reasons. Marshawn Lattimore is number one with 78, which obviously has been a long time since 1999, and Marshawn Lattimore hasn't played for – uh, a lot of that. Still right. number one. And then Fred Thomas, second at 77. Jabari Greer, third at 68. And then Cam Jordan is fourth at 58. <laughs> and, you know, if for anyone wondering, passes defense when you bat the ball down at the line, that is a pass defended. Um, so mm-hmm. I imagine that's where a majority of them have come in. And uh, I've seen Cam drop into coverage, but not that much. But I just think, yeah. you know, when you look at this team and you look at how great quality that cornerback room is right now one through four I would say and even Mm -hmm. some of the depth there you know and then you look at this list and it's like that's not a that's not how the Saints have operated throughout a majority of the franchise history it has been a lot of struggles on the on the outside Jabari Greer obviously was inducted into the team hall of fame he was excellent but even he talked about when he came here there was this idea that's like that's not where good cornerbacks go that's not that's not an area Mm -hmm. where you you take your career if you want to succeed as an outside corner and I do think that Marshawn has helped to change that and I just you know when, when you were going through those stats what were your kind of impressions uh, beyond obviously Cam is a freak of nature and has just played for so long <laughs> so effectively that he's managed to appear on this list that he shouldn't be on yeah I think that that's kind of the main takeaway the other one that's kind of wild is that Cam has like a has something like a 40 or, or maybe even more it might be a 50 or 60 uh, tackle for a loss lead on anybody else for the for for most tackles for a loss in the NFL. It, it, it's it's remarkable. I think he's got like 130, and the next one might be in the 80s or something like that, if I remember correctly. So as I was just kind of looking through those, that one stood out to me as well. But yeah, I think the big thing when you look at the the Saints defensive backs, and and I'm going to give Dennis Allen some credit on this too because he's really kind of where you can start the benchmark of like, okay, the Saints really revamped their cornerback room when he kind of came in mid 2015, took over. You know, completely 2016, moving into the draft in 2017, he became a guy that, you know, he, I mean, he's a secondary focused guy and he really helped to improve that secondary room all the way down to, you know, even, you know, getting good games out of Eli Apple for a little while. Uh, you know, he got great stuff out of Delvin Bro for a bit. He got, you know, they went out and they got Janoris Jenkins and Janoris Jenkins looked really good. And now they've kind of moved into this place where they've got Marshawn Lattimore and Paul Savivo and Alante Taylor. And you've got some of these other young guys that are looking really good, like, you know, Isaac Yadam, who came in, who's been mostly a, a special teamer for them, but he's looked, he looked really good during like OTAs and and mini camps for what that's worth. You know, same thing for Troy Pride Jr., who they brought in this offseason. So 
I think that, you know, Dennis Allen's a big part of that. And, and we'll continue to see that as long as, you know, that focus is there. This team went from, I mean, just it has an has had an incredible run of defensive backs coaches going from Aaron Glenn to Chris Richard now to Marcus Robertson. I mean, just phenomenal run of secondary coaches. And a lot of that is because those guys want to work with DA. And now those guys also want to work with Joe Woods, who, who's brought in, who's also a secondary specialist now there as defensive coordinator. So I think that it comes down to the team's sort of focus and building and, and kind of Dennis Allen's thumbprint or fingerprint that's on that as well. But, uh, yeah, Marshawn Lattimore definitely curbs the idea that the New Orleans Saints are a place that you don't go when you want to be a good corner, uh, especially with the uh, the success we've seen him had since he came in here, uh, his rookie season in 2017. Yeah, and one other note. Oh, I'll, oh and I'll mention, oh, too, I'll mention, too, on that, on that same list of uh, – the passes defense it's all dbs one through 11 with the except that list is demario davis yes as well which is pretty great if anyone's wondering so the the highest active well not active anymore he just retired non-defensive back in the passes defense category is jj watt he has 70 but two others that are notable that are worth mentioning is bradley roby is number 19 on the active list with Mm -hmm. 84 85 passes defense and right behind him is Tyron Matthew with 84 so you know it's the, there's this pedigree of 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 pass defense on this team that in a passing league is just it's just kind of nice to see but that I don't have a yeah. question there I just think it's if this team is going to have success this year I think it's going to be a lot on the strength of lockdown corner play and yep. you have the pieces in place assuming they can stay healthy for once in their lives and uh absolutely and, and yeah Ross, I was wondering, uh, curious to your take on, you know, we're getting ready for training camp. Everyone's excited to see the players getting back in action. Is there a player that you're more most excited to see when we get back into action with pads on? You know, none, none of these unpadded yeah. practices. Obviously, everybody's uh, – I think Cam Jordan said it best. Everybody looks great without pads. But when when the things really get down to the nitty-gritty here at Saints camp, who, what's a player or two that you're really looking forward to to seeing how they perform? Yeah, I'll start with uh, six-round rookie A.T. Perry, the wide receiver out of Wake Forest. We watched him, guys, during you know mini camps and OTAs. And kind of the big thing that we all took away from that was – him not being able to come up with those contested <laughs> catches, those fifty fifty balls, right? And when you're six foot three, six foot four, two hundred plus pounds and you've got good speed and you've got good, you know, vertical leaping ability and things like that, you you're you're expected to come down with those. At least more times than not. Those aren't expected to be fifty fifty balls. Those are at least expected to be fifty five forty five balls, right? Like some some small, you know, advantage should go your way. And so I'm really excited to see what happens when the pads come on and there's a lot more contact and maybe things feel a little bit more natural. I think that oftentimes when we think about the pads going on, we think about how that imp- how that sort of impacts these offensive players in a negative way when really it could impact them in a in a positive way in that things just feel more natural things feel like the game and I think that that has an impact on these offensive players and so AT a- Perry is definitely one that I'm looking forward to seeing and then uh, you know another guy that you know doesn't have really anything he needs to prove but I think is really really important this year is to, to go back to the name Tyron Matthew um, he's a guy that always stands out. You can't miss him on the field. He's, he's, you know, full of energy, all this other stuff, but he's also, you know, a big time leader for this team. And, and I think that come training camp, when it comes to the idea of, you know, every second counts, give every, you know, give everything that you've got, you know, all these things that these guys love to say, that's a, that's where Tyron Matthew gets the opportunity to really stand out and, and show that. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. And then I'll quickly mention uh, linebacker DeMarco Jackson as well. They gave him a lot of responsibilities during OTAs and minicamp. I think he's the pr- he's the he's primed at least so far. We'll see if they bring in uh, you know a veteran or something like that. But as of right now, at least 
he's primed to be the guy behind DeMario Davis and or uh, Pete Werner as the guy that could step into those roles. Meanwhile, Zach Bond, I think, is the guy that's beside those guys. So he would play maybe that strong side, third linebacker role, while DeMarco Jackson is more of your, I come in in place of coverage, you know, when you need coverage and things like that. And so I'm really interested to see him and sort of how he's been able to, you know, hone in his game. We didn't get to see him at all his rookie season. What does he look like out on the field going full speed and in pass? Gotcha. Well, Ross, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, where can uh, I know? Obviously, you're you got all the podcast stuff, but I know you're a busy guy. You got other stuff going on. So, where can people find your work mm-hmm. on the uh, interwebs? Yeah, the easiest way to do it between the Locked On Saints podcast and all the Saints News Network writing and everything like that is to follow on whatever social media platform you're <laughs> using this hour. Uh, it's all it's all brand aligned. It's all at Ross Jackson Nola. So if you're on Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Blue Sky, <laughs> Spoutable, whatever, uh, it's all there at Ross Jackson Nola, and of course on Twitter as well. Have you guys gotten a hold of Threads yet? I don't think I'm really getting acclimated. I guess yet. Yeah, it's just like Twitter to the I point that they're suing. like Twitter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there doesn't seem to be like any Twitter. organization with the feed. Oh yeah, no, it's awful. It's it's bad. Right? Yeah, but it's, no, it's, it's, it's all bad. Of, it's got no Elon. That's basically it's it's. it's bonus right yeah ross definitely thanks for the time and have a great weekend my man appreciate you guys right back at you y'all take care stay safe and i'll talk to you soon for all things new orleans saints subscribe to locked on saints on the odyssey app part of the locked on podcast network all right wrapping up segment number two here on inside black and gold we've got one more coming at you and this will be a breakdown of the rankings of the top 50 draft steals of the last decade of which the Saints actually have four of them, which is a pretty high number when you go through this whole list. Steve Geller and myself, Jeff Nowak, will break that down to close out the pod on this final segment. Stick around. back one more segment here on this sports talk field edition of inside black and gold myself and steve geller recorded this episode on friday we went through the espn rankings of the top 50 draft steals of the last decade now the saints have a lot of these but it's worth mentioning this is the last decade so there are a good number of saints draft steals that rank outside of this if you want to go back to the 2006 draft those aren't included but we're going to go through what ESPN thought were the top draft steals during that period this is a list by Matt Miller and Jordan Reed over on ESPN if you want to go check it out and follow along but without further ado here is that breakdown boy it really is tough to please all the people all the time we've got complaints about too much basketball talk too much LSU talk but there isn't any complaints about NFL talk? No. Also, if, if, if they're not complaining, I don't feel like I'm doing my job. <laughs> as long as we're getting equal complaints, right? If we're getting complaints about one thing specifically, then that's a problem. If we're getting complaints about everything... That's it, good news, then. Yeah, it's the puppet master is winning. Well, they, the puppet we're going we're gonna to try to please our audience some more and in going into more of the NFL side of talk of things. Jeff, you brought this up to me, and uh, really interesting looking it over, obviously, the... Uh, 50 biggest NFL draft steals of the past decades that ESPN put out. And, uh, you know, going through the list, seeing a number of former Saints and current Saints players. Yeah, and so, you know, it's it's funny because you look at this list and it only goes back 10 years, which cuts off a good number of what you would consider to be draft steals. We're only going back... Like a Marcus Colston. 
Right. So you're not going back to 2006. You right. could have said Streep. You should have, could have said Colston. You could have said a Jari Evans. You're not going back to even 2009. You had Thomas Morstead in the fifth round. I'd consider that a draft steal. Um, yeah, when you think about 10 years, it seems a lot longer than it really it is. It really is. I, guess. I mean, you look at Jimmy Graham, 2010. <laughs> Jimmy Graham would have been third round. Al Woods, fourth round. I mean, these are obviously steals. There's no first round picks on this. And so you look at it like, okay. I think to an extent you should have a first-round pick on this list because if you're t- telling me Lamar Jackson is not a draft steal because he was in the first round, I mean, you're wrong. But either way, there are a handful of Saints players, and we talked about this earlier in the week, so I won't quiz you on it, but the highest is – who would you guess, actually? I'm going to quiz you. I would think it'd be Alvin Kamara just because yes. – what he did, he's done in the league. Uh, everybody knows his name across the NFL. And a third-round pick, I think that was uh, obviously a, a great a great get right there. Yeah, and I mean, in a, in a league where you don't draft a lot of running backs in the first round, it still feels like a steal in the third round. But realistically speaking, that's where running backs go. You know, when you look at B. John Robinson in number nine, that's a rarity, at least in today's NFL. When Reggie Bush got drafted number two and everyone was like, I can't believe the Texans didn't take him number one. Can you imagine if a, a team drafted a running back number one right now? They get laughed off the stage. <laughs> you know, Saquon Barkley is like the most generational prospect you've had in years. Even he didn't go number one. I think he went number three. I think he drafted number three. Either way, I mean, maybe two. I can't remember. Either way, he was top five. Leonard Fournette was another one who was top five, but it's rare. So Alvin Kamara is the number 13 steal. I think it was the first pick of the third round, and I think that tells you just how good Alvin Kamara has been because I don't think the first pick of the third round being a running back typically would be considered a steal. Yeah, and I'm uh, just looking at some of the names on here, and I was telling you, I was really shocked to see uh, seven and eight on the ESPN list here. Stefan Diggs and George Kittle, both guys taken 146th overall. Yeah, and the Saints don't really have any players in that range, right? All of their steals, at least in the past 10 years, like if okay. you want to go to 2006, yeah. obviously you have the Colstons and the Streets. But, you know, the Saints players that appear on this list were all earlier. So the next one would be Teron Armstead, who obviously isn't on the Saints right now, but was drafted by the Saints. He was the number 75 pick, which I believe is the third round in 2013. Yeah, it's hard to hate that. I mean, he's the number 15 ranked steal on this list. Anytime you can find a long-term NFL left tackle, a Pro Bowl caliber left tackle, outside of the first round, it could be the first pick of the second round. And from Arkansas Pine Bluff. Well, right, <laughs> right. I mean, like he, he, this could have been the number 33 pick in the draft, and I would still put it high on this list because you just don't find Pro Bowl left tackles outside of the first round. It's hard to do, especially not the third round. Um, you might find swing tackles. You might find a guy like James Hurst who could start, but you don't find elite left tackles in that range, and that's one of the bigger steals you'll find. I was going to say, you know, you mentioned, too, this list doesn't include first-rounders. Would you put a Ryan Ramchek as a Saints steal? No. You think he's just living up to expectations then? Yeah, I mean, it's close. Yeah. But, I mean, he was a first-round pick, and he's a right tackle. You know, it's it's a less not it is a premium position, but it's not as, as premium right. as your left tackle would be in a right-handed quarterback's league, right? But I mean, it's close. It's on the fringe. I have a few for the Saints that okay. probably could be included. Um, let's move on. The next one, it is a second-round pick, and you don't see a ton of second-round picks on this list because it takes a really impressive player to be picked in the second round and outperform that, right? Like, when you pick a guy in the second round, you expect him to be, if not a day one starter, a starter down the road. Like Absolutely. Like, like on Alante Taylor, like, you 
you know, people were freaking out because they took Alante Taylor and he doesn't have an uh, an obvious path to starting right away, at least last year. Drafting special teamers. Right. And it's like, okay, <laughs> but he was still a very good player and he made it pretty clear why they wanted to draft him. This guy, I think, is a fair inclusion, although I think he would be a lot higher if not for the last couple of years. It's Michael Thomas, who's at number 32. The Saints took him. 47th overall that's the second round in 2016 I think when you when a second round pick goes in you know sets an NFL record for catches in a season I think that's a pretty solid case for a steal are we still going to be uh considering the former Saints too because you skipped over Carr I was going to go to that okay go to that. Carr but, and actually to Ram Matthew but he is a current Saint right right and he was not drafted by the Saints so we're going to do that after that was the plan sorry but you ruined it I'm you sorry spoiled it. you spoiled it there is one more <laughs> <laughs> Saints drafted player on this list. Although he is another player who is no longer on the Saints. And it's right at the tail end. It's Trey Hendrickson. He was number 103 overall. It's his third round pick in 2017. Yeah, I mean, that that's a pretty that's a pretty good one. That one always bothered me too because, man, tr- Trey Hendrickson, obviously he flashed at, at times here. But another one of those guys on this Saints defensive line that always seemed to be injured. Why do we have those issues with our defensive linemen? And unfortunately for the Saints... He went on to the Bengals and has, has really developed into one of the premier pass rushers now in the league. I mean, I think guys get hurt. I think that's just the NFL. But I think Trey's issue with the Saints, one of the reasons they were re- hesitant to give him a massive deal, is he's never been a run player. And in a 4-3 defense, you really need your ends to play the run. And so it just didn't make sense for them to pay outside of his market, which is what the Bengals did. So I, I, I don't think that they lost him, per se, is that they let him go. But, yeah, I mean, a third-round pick, double-digit sacks, that's a pretty solid market. I think it speaks to how highly the NFL thinks of Trey Hendrickson right now for him to be on this list at all because when Trey Hendrickson left, he would not have been on this list. Absolutely not, right. Right, like he's on this list now because he has continued that trajectory, which I think there was a fair question as to whether he would, if that was a kind of a flash in a pan moment, or if he really was that player, and I think he showed that he is. Yeah, I was definitely on the wrong side of that because I was like, ah, it's no big deal, let him walk. The guy's always on, on the injured list. But he works, right? He does <laughs> the work, and I think that's one of those definitely things Definitely does the work. You look at these guys and players in the first round, it's a lot of times it's pure talent and you're getting drafted on that talent alone. In the second and third round, there's usually a question. There's a there's a reason you're not a first round talent. But I but they're the work ethic is what will set you apart. And Trey Hendrickson's a maniac in more ways than one. And he was willing to do the work and he did the work and he got better and he got better and he got better. And now he is an elite pass rusher in the NFL. So, yeah, I mean, that's the last Saints draft pick. So over the last decade, there are four Saints draft picks that have been listed in the top 50 draft steals, which I think is probably a fair number. I didn't go through here and add up every team. Which team, right? I have a feeling that four is among the top half of of the teams on this list. Yeah, I can't imagine – like the the Saints competition in the division, their their ranking, I wouldn't imagine being so high on this. I'm trying to go through right now to see any Panthers, Bucks, or um, Falcons on this list. There's only one Falcons player, <laughs> number 137 in 2015. That's Grady Jarrett, defensive tackle. Okay. I think that's I think that's fair, right? You're talking about a fourth rounder, I think, if I'm doing the math right there. So, but yeah, so that's one player. Panthers. I'm sure the Panthers will have at least one or two. Uh, actually, no. The Panthers do not have a single player represented on this list. Wow, see, look at that. And the Bucks. I don't think so either, huh? No, it doesn't appear that they do. So, yeah, so in the NFC South, 
there is only five players that are listed in the top 50 draft steals of the past decade. Four of them belong to the Saints. Yeah, it goes to show you why the New Orleans has obviously had most of the control over the division the past decade, honestly. I'd be actually curious... If we look back the ten, last 10 years, how many times the Saints ended up division champs? It's also not a coincidence that two of them are for 2017 because I think one of the, you know, there's a lot of criticism of the Saints front office and a lot of, some of it's warranted, a lot of it's unwarranted. But one of the reasons that they'll look at and be like, well, they got saved by that 2017 draft because if not for that 2017 draft, where would they be without a Marshawn Lattimore, who's obviously not on this list because he's a first rounder, um, but, you know, without a Marcus Williams who's not on this list, I would argue is probably if this list went to 75, he would be in there somewhere because even though he's a second rounder, he probably he probably was a steal, although he's probably pretty close to what you would expect of a second rounder. You know, if not for that draft, where would they have been a few years down the road? You still have Ryan Ramchek, You still have Alvin Kamara. You still have Marshawn Lattimore. Can't keep everyone. Yeah, I mean, you need a draft like that every like, especially if you were paying at the top of the salary cap and you're not able to go add through free agency the way that some teams want to. You have to have a draft like that every few years to kind of reset the deck. You have a Chris Olave and Alante Taylor. If Trevor Penning can hit, then that might be that draft we look at in a couple of years and be like, you know what, they really did hit it that year. But right now, obviously, to me, even Penning's a huge concern. Just yeah. uh, obviously because of those injuries early on. And to you know the foot, you, you know, and that's pretty big, obviously, for an, uh, a massive offensive lineman too. Yeah, but in my opinion, if you can pull three starters out of any draft, that's a success. Three or four or five years down the road, it was a very good draft. If you can only look at it and say role players, right, that's a problem. You know, the 2019 draft is actually surprisingly good for the Saints, despite not having a first rounder because they ended up with Eric McCoy and CJ Gardner Johnson. I don't know who they might have taken in the first round, but you know, if you can say we got two starters out of this team, and obviously CJ's not on the team anymore, we got two starters out of this draft. Hey, you did pretty well. There are two players, as you mentioned, on this list that are on the Saints currently, but were not Saints draft picks. Right. One of them is Derek Carr. Um, who was the number 36 overall pick, so early second round. There's only a couple players higher. T. Higgins is the only player who was the first pick of the second round on this list, which is fair, but he has, I think, outperformed that draft slot mightily. Derek Carr, anytime you can get a quarterback in the second, third, fourth round who is, you know, a perennial pro bowler, starts a bunch of games, is not constantly looking over his shoulder to see who's going to be taking his job, that's a, that's a draft steal. So I think that's fair. Yeah, definitely. He's number 24 on the list, so he's in the middle of the pack. Definitely someone that obviously, you know, we're still expecting even more from. And we keep talking about it come training camp, get to see more of him in action. But I think Derek Carr, yeah, he's established himself as one of the at least upper tier quarterbacks. I'm not saying you're elite, but you're definitely in the top half of the league in quarterbacking. Yeah, we we got we got a text that says so. You get rid of Trey Hendrickson and keep Peyton Turner. Smart. Like, well, I don't know what that means. You didn't get rid of Trey Hendrickson to keep Peyton Turner. No, Peyton Turner is going into what year three? And you now. drafted a rookie. Yeah, it's not like they were like, well, we're going to sign. He didn't even know who's going to be on. The- anyway, it's not really what happened. 
but you you also did not pay Peyton Turner four years, $80 million, which is what you've had to pay Trey Hendrickson to keep him around. You can't pay everybody. You know, when you have a draft like 2017, that's when you end up being like, well, we have to make some tough decisions because we want to pay Alvin, we want to pay Marshawn, we want to pay Ryan. It's like, yeah, you'd love to pay them all, but you can't. You franchised Marcus, and eventually he left. But it's like, that's just how it works. The last player on this list who we'll talk about is Tyron Matthew. He is the number 16th steal he was the number 69 overall pick. Nice. Nice, in yeah. The 2013 draft by the Arizona Cardinals. And he's a good example. There's two different types of players on this list, right? Keenan Allen is a good example of the opposite, which is like he's the 17th rated steal. He was number 76 of the Chargers, right? Yeah. There's guys who kind of flew under the radar because you weren't sure what they might be, and then they, they blew up in the NFL and they were very good for a long time, and that's the Keenan Allen. Then there's the Tyron Matthews, who everyone knows he is an elite football player, but they're just like, oh, I don't know, can we trust him? Is he a, is he a risk, you know, a, a personality risk or whatever? You know, the right, because of the, all the marijuana issues that, yeah, that he had in college. Yeah, whatever the issues he had in college, you right. can go through them. But like, oh, is, is, the, is he going to be a successful NFL player because of that? No one questioned the talent level, but he still ended up in that third round. And so he's, you know, there's two very different types of draft steals, and he is in that second category because he has been very good for a long time. And if you took away all of the question marks in college and just looked at the pro- athletic profile and the skills and, and what he was able to accomplish when he did play, you'd be like, of course we're going to draft him. Why wouldn't we draft him anyway? He is the last player on that list, and he's currently on the Saints. With Matthew, I'm curious also what would have his path been had he not landed with the Arizona Cardinals because he went there and had a, a really solid foundation coming into a guy playing along with Patrick Peterson, I heard that Peterson and his father really took in Matthew and kind of guided him early on in the NFL. And obviously, getting out of Louisiana for him out of that time was the perfect answer. And I'm just, for him, I think it's really key that he had that kind of base, that leadership, that kind of mentor, I guess, in Arizona at the time to help him where there seem to be those questions about him, where the talent, like you said, never, never an issue with Matthew is just like, man, can we keep this guy on the field because of his extracurricular activities, I guess you would say. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And so there's a few, you, know, you could make the argument for a couple more players. I think this list is actually pretty well done in terms of establishing where. Um, uh, here's a buck. On the, the, there is a buck? Just to, who, who we just missed. I thought you were getting into. No. Who's oh, the buck? Who just missed? They have um Oh, there's a just miss. Chris Godwin. Okay, and Ryan Jensen. Right, exactly. So, so they have it too. I didn't even <laughs> see the just miss because they don't even list their team. I was just doing a search. <laughs> but yeah, so yes, you could say the Bucks have a few. And I'm sure a lot of teams have close calls. Because the Saints have a few where you could say, which David Onyamato is a fourth round pick in twenty sixteen. Like that's a in terms of value gained versus position drafted I feel like he fits pretty well into that category he was never had a monster season but he was a very good NFL starter for a long time and that's when you're drafting in the fourth round that's a pretty you know low bar to clear in terms of okay well you got a steal in the fourth round I think he was one of them Marcus Williams is probably pretty close I think two years from now Caden Ellis will be on this list 
I mean, considering what we saw production-wise yeah. last year. He's going to get a chance and, to start. And, man, everything that – I kind of looked at Demario Davis like he was crazy last year when he said, yeah, he's like the best unknown thing in the NFL. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, but he's going to – he's a seventh-round pick from the 2019 draft. You know, he kind of burst out of the scene last year. He got paid in Atlanta, so they're going to give him his chances. He's going to have 100 tackle seasons, I guarantee it. And so when they redo this list in two years, he's going to be on it. I don't know where he's going to be, but he'll be on it. So if you want to check out this list, it's ESPN. We've been talking a lot about ESPN Plus. It's it's on there. It's by Matt Miller and Jordan Reed. It's a good it's a good read. You know, it's the, we've reached, I, I like list list better than the uh, Will Brinson's QB list. Yeah, this is the silly season for NFL <laughs> coverage, right? There's just only so much you can talk about the same thing over and over again and so that's why i appreciate espn and the content machines that exist out there for constantly giving us stuff to talk about because i think these types of things it's like this is all we have right now and 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 i want it that way because the this is the time of year where if there's a headline with a saints player's name in it it's not good it's almost always a bad thing amen because this is the time that they're out doing their own thing they're not practicing and then you got to kind of trust the players to to not get themselves into trouble and so as long as that happens i'm okay with it i'm okay with being bored what really would have been nice though is if the las vegas courts had uh this you know why case you gotta bring that up why you gotta harsh say, my mellow no here? i'm just saying because it would have been nice if they brought would have been something to talk about and maybe something that was uh, rectified and solved before training camp. Now we're going to be going to training camp and still talking about Alvin Kamara's legal issues. Yeah. We'll see if it gets wrapped up quickly. I, I can't imagine this thing doesn't settle, but I've been saying that. I don't care. He's a draft steal whether he gets... <laughs> I, I do too. My son, though, is basically like tossed his Alvin Kamara jersey in the closet, doesn't want anything to do with him after a, a fight in Las Vegas. And I'm like, I, I think that's pretty harsh, but I, I got to respect my 13-year-old's decision there. No, you don't. <laughs> you must wear this jersey. Fun fact. No, you don't. <laughs> if you want to live under this roof. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. All right, and that's going to do it for us in this episode of Inside Black and Gold. As always, I've been Jeff Nowak. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve Geller over on Twitter at Steve Geller WWL. You can follow the show on Twitter at Saints underscore pod. You can follow us on YouTube as well at WWL Sports and all the latest content at WWL. We're getting closer, folks. Only a couple weeks until the Saints kick off training camp and everything gets into full gear as always. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everyone, for following along. If you have any content you'd like us to cover over these next couple weeks, hit me up on Twitter. DMs are always open. We're always looking for, for suggestions, for content. This is the bottom of the barrel season, people. So any, any, any suggestions you have please send them along and we will very likely take them uh, in in under heavy consideration. But all right, y'all thanks for listening. Who dat peace.